Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going all right, man. On, on Monday. Monday live from the front lines of the COVID right. 2019. Frontline worker. Shitstorm. Uh, I'll ask I'm an you. essential, I, David. Are you? I am not an essential. I'm an essential. But I also think it was interesting. A person tribute, on my... Sir. A person on my Facebook feed who thinks of themselves as, as very nonpartisan, they work for the government, like, you know, civil service, they, you know, think that their arbitrary decisions as to what is essential or not make more sense than the government's, right? And versus like, so they were comparing Quebec versus Ontario versus what they would deem essential. And it's like, well, how do you know what's essential to my life, Right. Right, Because right. I'm really mad that I can't find books to read. And that's essential to my life, I think so, more than toilet paper. I could do without toilet paper, personally. Yeah. But I am not yeah. essential. Yeah, and I mean, look, these jobs and these businesses, uh, whether it's a comic bookstore or a movie theater, I mean, or a local restaurant or pub, uh, those jobs are essential to those people. I mean, that's... Right, uh, like a source of income. Flourish. Yeah. But I do want to, so the, I watched an episode of the Corbett Report and he was talking about kind of, uh, you know, the media preparing the public with the right talking points. And even, like, I don't, I think he's a bit alarmist. I, it's the first time I've ever watched this guy, Cor, whatever, Corbett. But I found it really interesting to notice that some of my friends were, were very much just spouting the talking points. The one that really frustrates me is comparing this to the world wars. Our grandparents fought world wars. Um, how can we not just sit <laughs> on our couch? And it's like they, they gave their lives for freedom. You're willing to give your freedom for lives. So it's actually the exact opposite, in my opinion. But also the new talking point seems to be that, well, if half of the population or 20% of the population dies, that destroys the economy anyways, right? Because now it's like, do we care about the economy or do we care about public health? And the new talking point is, well, you can't have an economy without public health. Without people. Without people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I saw some, some guy post uh, when they were talking about how this is our World War II, mm-hmm. which is requiring us to just basically sit on our couch and play video games. Right. And uh, this kid's like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Right. <laughs> Playing Xbox. Right? At least that's tongue in cheek. But yeah. so many people are legitimately. I saw it. So Humans of New York was the first uh, person, Brandon, whatever his name is. I really like it. But he was the first person who made this long post about how he's not doing it live anymore because this is our world war. Right. Like we're going into battle. And it's like, no, during the world wars and before there were also you know, diseases that killed lots of people. Like it was completely, we're just not used to it because we've lived in a time of like complete prosperity for the most part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a wild, it it is a a very interesting world right now. And there's, um, you know, I, I don't really buy this idea that they are preparing us for martial law or they are, I, I don't think there's any plan at all behind this whatsoever right and <laughs> yeah that's my view. Th- th- this can this can all be simply explained by uh people in the positions they are in following the incentive that is in front of them right mm-hmm. and so uh you know if you're if you're a public health official or a government agent well 
guess what? People are completely dependent on you. Like they, they look to you for all the answers. They are mindless zombies, you know, that, that can't think for themselves. I mean, this is just decades of government schooling and uh, total reliance and dependence on the state. And so now if I'm one of these people who's in government and I've got my job is to govern, well, I'm thinking about the next election. I'm thinking about making the right decision um, based on can I get elected again and maintaining my popularity. People are scared about this um, because the media, uh, <laughs> you know, is trying to sell news. And right. the way you sell news is by scaring people. So the media aren't intentionally trying to scare people. They're just trying to sell the news, right? They're trying right. to get sell advertisements and get sponsors or whatever. So they're, they're not going to report calming facts. Like they're going to report that like that, the, they're, they're not going to report, you to for example, that, yeah, right. uh, you know, the, the death rate according to who is 3%. Uh, but we need to take that with a huge grain of salt people, because that's only confirmed infections uh, as ratio to confirmed deaths. And it's, likely and very possible that there are far more infections and then the death uh, rate is 10 to a hundred times smaller than that. But mm. I mean, the media isn't going to report that because that is like almost a nothing burger, right? If the fatality rate is actually, I saw an article today where these experts said that it's plausible that the death rate could actually be 10 times smaller than the, than the seasonal flu. Right. Um, which isn't to say that COVID isn't a problem we should take seriously, but it, they're just, but if that's the case that the, like you don't sell a newspaper well, headline by saying it's COVID could be 10 times smaller. Right. So, so everyone is along the line is, is doing what they're incentivized to do. Yeah. And um, we, the pub, so, so ultimately, you know, it, it's the public around us. It always comes back to culture. It always comes back yeah. to our neighbors. It always comes back to that. Um, the, the, market players whether they're government officials or the media or whatever are doing what is going to sell to the public and this mm -hmm. is exactly what's going to sell to the public because people are panicked and they they want safety we are a culture a soft culture we we will trade away all the liberty for the illusion of security right and then when people say no liberty is important they're shamed Right. Two, but two things in particular come to mind. One, sorry, I'm looking up because I'm accessing my brain. Um, one is, yeah, even with the people in the government who are trying to do the more extreme things. So you hear a lot about New York Governor Cuomo, and he's called for the nationalization of medical supplies and like the like very much the in the line of the totalitarian stuff. But I don't think he's some like evil schemer. I think people want him to do this, right? There's some quote, I'll right. butcher it, but it's like, just like always, liberty dies to the sound of roaring applause, right? right People right. ask well, for these things. And I do think what, when you say culture, I would say philosophy, but it's the same thing, right? Like the ideas that are permeating the culture are what drive things. And maybe, yes, I do think somewhere in the United States, there are likely a couple steamers who actually know what's going on and are, and are evil, or they, or it's still like, you know, uh, it's just been, it's in the culture for quite a while, but I don't think Governor Cuomo is thinking, oh, how do I become a dictator, right? He just no. thinks, oh, this is what is good. This is what people want. So I should do this thing. It makes sense. 
right? And he's surrounded people, by a bunch, a bunch of elite liberals, right? I mean, that is his constituency there in New York. It's, it, I mean, New York didn't vote Trump in, right? They, mm-hmm. They're the opposite of who voted Trump in. And, and so, the, you know, you think of the Hollywood elite, you think of the, the, this liberal intelligentsia who, who thinks they're smarter than everyone else, who is concerned about uh, progressive causes like climate change and this and science and blah, blah, blah. Well, the, these are the people that would want to lock it down. It's the responsible thing to do. So Cuomo's just mm-hmm. doing what he's responsible. He, you're right. He's not, he doesn't have some intention to be a dictator. He, he's not trying to install some new world order uh, Illuminati thing. You know, that, that's why I just, I can't take these things seriously from people like Corbett or, um, right. you know, any of these conspiracy theorists. I mean, and- there, there, there is a certain truth, a kernel of truth to this uh, stuff in that, you know, people will take the opportunity to get power when they have it. That's true of every single person though. It's not like these it- are some kind of special breed of people that are, uh, that, that have some master plan that they're rolling out. I don't think it's true of everyone. I think it's true of most people because I think right. the desire for power is also, it's like part of this cycle, right? The, no, but the, 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 the desire, desire even just for, for personal power or personal right. improvement, right? And so if you think that governing people's lives is perfectly fine because that, you know, that's right. just how yeah. things are, then yeah, you're going to have no moral compunctions about governing people and governing them more and more, especially if they want to be governed more good. and more. Yeah, he thinks yeah. it's good. Like, I need to help these people. The way I can help these people is by taking away right. their freedoms, right? Like, that's yeah. just the way it is. But it's really interesting to me as well that, you know, so many of my peers are don't seem to want to think about it, right? And and then, you know, I'm the one who's off keel or, you know, I'm a, I must be crazier or an idiot to think, oh, no, we actually should think this through fully. And so I'm really yeah. frustrated. I mean, and also we've talked about this before. I'm not really plugged into this stuff generally because I really don't care that much, right? Like it's not going to affect me that much. I'll live my life and this will pass at some point and I'll deal with it as I have to deal with it. Just like many other things that aren't great that happen to happen in life. But the, I'm, I'm frustrated by this claim that, Oh no, you need public health. You need people to not be dead for the economy to function. And they like a refusal to admit that people need to work to live, right? That people need to work to survive and provide values for themselves. And, right. and they just seem completely disconnected from that fact. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, if you want to take the Darwinian perspective here, I mean, the, the most of the people that are dying from this aren't exactly the most productive people in society, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we don't want them to die. Obviously, we should take measures and especially if you're responsible for caring for an elderly person or an immunocompromised person you need to keep them on lockdown from viruses like you you need to be super careful around them Mm -hmm. it is your duty to do that it's a duty that you've taken on it's a duty that they're counting on you to take on and you need to do that but these people aren't the same people that are going out and grocery shopping they're not you know if you're one of these people who's vulnerable if you if you are going out into the wild you're kind of assuming a risk on yourself right yeah. and and so the the rest of the world shouldn't have to shut down uh because you're super fragile but, right but there's this idea right we talked about it last time of this altruist egalitarian idea if some suffer we all have to suffer right so i could carry it who yeah. could spread it to someone who could spread it to someone who could die 
right? right? And that's the problem. But it's interesting if we did focus on isolating and protecting the vulnerable people and every, everyone else could kind of continue as is, there'd also be a lot of people willing to grocery shop for the old people so they could better isolate. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. since everyone is isolated, they have to go get their own stuff still. A lot of these older people, and you see they're even struggling. So grocery stores make early morning hours for the old people so they can get toilet paper and stuff like that. But locking down the whole system doesn't make any sense. And I've yeah. seen, I've not read into it too much, but apparently Taiwan is moving forward sort of like normal because they got really hit yeah. strong by SARS. And so they were very well prepared and they yeah. acted quickly, put procedures in place. Kids are still going to school. Life is continuing as normal. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they have over 20 million population, like smaller in a space smaller than like Nova Scotia or something, right? Yeah, I'm not sure how they, but Japan is the same story, right? They had few fatalities there. They didn't shut down schools. People kind of carried on as normal, but you know, they, they were just more cautious or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and um, yeah, so, so it's, uh, it, but, I mean, it is a different world out there, right? I, I, <laughs> I was uh, doing a call the other night for a guy who took meth, cocaine, fentanyl, and GHB. Uh, he took all the drugs, he said. Yeah. Uh, but as I approached him, he he put up the sign of the cross and said, stay away from me. I don't want to get the Corona. Like, right. don't come near me. Right. So he, he was more scared about, uh, about getting Corona than he was about, uh, about on all the took. drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kind of thought that was interesting. And it kind of reminded me of what's, I mean, that, that to me is a perfect metaphor for what's going on in society right now. There's all sorts of things that, could yeah. kill you, including not right. working, not, you know, shutting everything down. Um, but yet everyone is, is fixated and focused on, uh, on Corona right now. Uh, right. And their own detriment almost. Right. I don't understand how people don't at least hesitate to be so extreme about it. Like, even if you don't want to yeah. read all about Taiwan and Japan and how the exact differences are, the fact that there are entire countries not freaking out, and like still thrive, like except like excelling and thriving yeah. yet we're in complete panic mode, shut everything down. Half of the population is going to die. Like either they're idiots or we're idiots. One of the yeah. two, right? Like well, there's no I, way it's I mean, that big of a gap. Right. Right. They, but one I mean, could be wrong, but I mean, I mean the last couple of years has been perfect, a perfect training for this. Right. I mean, we've had, uh, an emergence of the alt-right where people are are dropping off the libertarian uh, a bandwagon to join up with we need a heavy state to protect us from these migrants right right at the same time we've had people dropping off the liberty uh, bandwagon to join the the uh, environmentalist movement because science tells us that catastrophe is coming and don't use science and, and science also tells us that we need big government to save us from this catastrophe right right and and so both of these camps are now in unison when it comes to uh, COVID-19, right. right? So they've right. said, yes, we need government. We admit it. We admit it. We're scared of migrants. We're scared of the environment. Yes, please, daddy, give us government to save us from these things yeah. we're scared about. And now we've, we've found the exact thing that both people can agree is scary as hell. Um, you know, like the, the left 
looks at COVID nineteen. It's an environmental molecules, thing that comes in. Environmental thing, science on stuff, immigrants right? from China. We need to listen to the experts, people. Yada yada, right? And on the right, it's like they might as well be migrants. These uh, COVID nineteen viruses. Right. And of course, on the right, you know, uh, we know that that conservative people have. Uh, have more sensitive amygdalas, for example, from neuroscience, which is like a, a kind of a fight or flight thing. It's, it's, it recognizes uh, external threats, basically, the amygdala, yeah. right? It's kind of the lizard brain. And so conservatives have a more sensitive lizard brain and they get frightened more easily by external threats. And so, of course, this is like lighting up their amygdalas like crazy right now. So both sides of these are scared as hell and demanding jackboots and so they found the perfect thing i mean this could be a model like if if i were in power and i I, if i were trying to plan a conspiracy this would be maybe a perfect thing to exercise complete social control that's uh, what you don't try to do you'd get get unison from the right and the left so i can understand why conspiracy theorists are going nuts but i think it can also like going forward if i am a politician i'm going to be paying attention to this and i'm going to be like hmm uh, you know, I just need to kind of amplify some of these things in order to secure dependence on me and, and get myself in, in secured in these positions of power and, and prestige, right? And, uh, you know, so the, like, you, you could use the same arguments that they're using right now for COVID-19 to lock down society three months a year during flu season or something like that. Like, you, you can imagine the, the same yeah. methodology being applied to things and are, you know, so so... Yeah. My only hope is that we don't see that that people can see through this, right? And and at the end of the day, yeah. they'll look and say, okay, well, the COVID nineteen season actually created less deaths than the normal flu season, uh, so maybe we should be a little bit more skeptical next time when we demand government take all our liberties away. Uh, but no, because you know, it's if, it's a win win for government. Government took some away, and whatever damage isn't done versus the extremist, oh, half the population's gonna die. Well, the reason that happened is because government took so yeah, con- exactly, so much control yeah. so quickly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's lose-lose from a liberty perspective. Either they didn't do it fast enough and that's why people died, or pe- less people died than I think in my mind, so it's a good thing government did what they did. Yeah, you're probably right, you're probably right. But yeah. I have five things that came to mind Okay. While we were talking, my brain's in a heightened uh, state the past week. So I'm track it, trying to track all of them at once. Let's see if I remember all five. One, that it's actually probably good Donald Trump is the president for this. Because if it was an establishment person, I think it would have been a much more get rid of all of our liberties very quickly response. Yeah. Two... I read part of an article from Foreign Policy, which actually extrapolated what you just said about the politicians in the U.S. trying to figure out, or in Canada trying to figure out, okay, how do I leverage this for my power to talk about Russia? And Russia's paying attention to the U.S. meltdown and how they can leverage this in the future. Three, I think of three and four are actually two tweets, one from Megyn Kelly and one from Bill Maher. And I think it's interesting to contrast, not that I have, I actually like Bill Maher and I don't really know Megyn Kelly, but Bill Maher was basically saying how maybe this is the the earth getting retribution for us, like polluting it and destroying it, which very much, you know, we want to talk about statheism in a future episode, but that very much embodies 
the myst- the new mysticism, right? It's not religion, but it's the planet, as if the planet has some sort of conscious vendetta yeah. and, it, and it reacts to us. And that, so that was interesting. And Megyn Kelly's tweet on contrast, which got absolutely shit on by people, was just saying how, you know, why can't I find any actual good information about this anywhere? And everyone shit on her, but it's right, exactly right. what you were talking about, that the ecosystem, the, the same way the pol- political ecosystem has been a mess for a while, the media ecosystem has been such a mess. No one's been giving us facts for years because everything's politicized. And then right. when something important actually comes about, of course, the conservatives don't trust CNN to be giving the truth because they've been lying a lot. So why would they trust them? And so it's still hard to, for the average person to know what is political bullshit and what is real. Um, and I don't remember the fifth thing. but that's where like I think like all it's it yeah it's important to note this stuff because it is so much more complex as to what's going on than what almost anyone I talk to thinks right they all just think it's simple either you're a piece of shit or you're social distancing and that's it yeah I mean if you go outside you're basically shooting guns up in the air and right. you know those bullets are going to land on someone and kill someone right and uh yeah i mean it's uh i, I don't know what to say but, but you're right i mean it, it i have seen example after example of unclear thinking right because uh, and i'm not sure if people i just don't i i get the sense that most people aren't used to thinking, aren't used to critically examining things. You know, like I posted an article about this new Oxford study um, that shows that, you know, people that, that, that the virus, that millions of people may already be immune. In other words, this virus may have hit us in January and we just didn't know about it. And that might explain the flattening of the curve. And it was a well-respected Oxford researcher that did this research and, you know, if this is true, what they need to do is widespread antibody testing to see, well, if the virus has swept through, we would expect to see lots of people that already have the antibodies, right? Right. Like it could be that um, only one out of a thousand cases needs, gets bad enough symptoms that they need to be hospitalized was what she, she found in her research, um, which is in contrast to the, the, that I mean that's not going to sell news stories right uh but someone posted well 85% of people in the hospital are testing negative for covid so this model can't be right well no no it, this but but the, she just didn't think critically about this for a second right they're not testing for the virus they're testing for antibodies they right. need to test for antibodies if you got the virus in january you would test negative now because you wouldn't have any virus left in your system but you would have antibodies that make you immune. Right. Right. And so, so people just, their, their minds going a thousand miles an hour. They have, they can't, they need to take a breath, think about things a little bit, calm down, not react out of fear and, and learn to think critically about things and, and try to understand the, the points that are being made rather than just spouting out talking points, you know, someone else said, well, modeling, ask Al Gore about modeling models don't work. Well, again, all we're going off, like all the pop, public <laughs> policy decisions being made right now are being made off Flatten of modeling. So what model are you going off of, sir, to say that everything needs to be shut down right now? You're going off the model that says this thing has at least a 3% fatality rate. 
that uh, you know millions of people are going to die from it. That's the model you're using. And here's another model that might show why that's wrong and why we need to be a bit more skeptical about <laughs> So what, here's how we can test these models. We can do widespread antibody. Like it's just people, I don't know if they're incapable of thinking, if they're just because they're They've so been taught right to now. not think, right? Like this yeah. culture has taught people to not think for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I so I, rem I remembered my fifth thing and I think I'll get your reaction to this and we can, we can wrap it up because we could you know, riff on this for a long time, I think. But the, it's about the fact of social media, right? So the information, like in an earlier era, there would not be, have been this panic about COVID, right? Like you'd hear news reports in the local areas, the other areas that don't have it wouldn't have heard anything. Um, it would not have become like so public and, and such a national issue so quickly. Um, right. And some people may say, oh, thank God it did, right? But also, no, I think it teaches people to react quickly, to overreact. And, you know, if you are a conspiracy theorist, it also gives a very real-time reaction and response right. as to what messaging resonates the most to fear monger, right? right. What how are people reacting to what messaging? And it's the same with like the flatten the curve. Clearly they were throwing out a bunch of stuff to try and get people to listen and social distance. And they found one that really resonated with people. It's simple. There's an image that's simple. And so it's just so interesting to see how, I think it'll be especially interesting to see after the fact, when we really understand what happened and what this disease right. actually was, the overreaction and comparing that to other times. And the example that comes to mind is like following uh, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un and their relationship when the North Korea and the US was in the news. If you followed it day by day, it made no sense and was a complete mess. But if you read about it every two weeks and got a summary of what was going on, it was much mo more coherent and you could actually understand things. And so I think that is a big difference is no, this is good the first like time we've been so inundated with social media about yeah. the disease. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We're getting like, you know, we are looking at snapshots right now. This is what the news wants you to focus on and panic about and watch them 24 seven. Right. And I suspect if, when we look back at this two years from now, we'll have found that the fatality rate was uh, that or less than, than the seasonal flu that far fewer people died than expected, that we overreacted and that sort of thing. But what you said uh, reminds me of, you know, I was talking with a coworker yesterday whose son uh, just came back from Ireland. He's going to medical school in Glasgow. And just before he left, they had an epidemio epidemiologist talking about uh, pandemics and epidemics. And he was talking about the different levels of it. So talking about a community outbreak, talking about, you know, nationwide, you know, talking about this global pandemic. I can't remember all the names he had for the different levels of, of mm -hmm. viral spread, but he made the point that uh, they're, they're starting to talk about this new level, this meta level of epidemic now called, they're calling uh, infodemic, right? And it's exactly what you said about this rapid spread of information right now and the widespread panic that comes out of it and how that in and of itself is a public health hazard as it crashes economies and causes panic buying and all these things that we're seeing right now. And so I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, because I made a similar point uh, last week about how 
Yes, COVID-19 is a public health hazard, but so are all these things that the government is doing right now. Those are public health hazards as well that have negative consequences, just like the virus has a negative consequence. So we have to take those things into account. So it was, it's nice to be kind of redeemed because I took a lot of flack for that one. Um, but, you know, th there are people like serious epidemiologists who are looking at this now and thinking, hmm, it seems to me that there are high correlates to public health and economy and that yeah. maybe we ought to pay attention to how the information information uh, spread, right? And this is come, goes back to Richard Dawkins' idea of the meme, right? That ideas spread similarly to viruses and they mutate yeah. and they form and, and they adjust. And and they, that's, yeah, it's so much easier right? now you can monitor them in real time yeah. on Twitter, and, what's and spreading memes, what, and right. you design the virus. Right. And libertarians have been saying for years, or at least I've been saying for years, that these memes make up culture and culture makes up government in a sense or determines the kind of government you're going to get. And so it all, all comes back to meme wars and, um, you know, that ideas kill people, right? Yeah. They, they, and it's like the person I've been paying attention to is named Amish Adelja. He, I mentioned him last time as well. And he's literally been studying like pandemic preparedness for decades, right? I believe at least years. And he's like one of the experts on this. And he's most concerned about the overreaction. He knows this is a bad virus and we have to deal with it. Like by no means is he dismissing that, but he thinks it's actually not that bad. This is a dress rehearsal for, you know, when we get hit with something really bad. And two, he's more concerned about what the government might do, what people will do, because that is really damaging too, and longer term damaging to more people. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good point that this, that, that, you know, the best way to take this is a dress rehearsal for something really serious. And what kind of systems are we going to have in place, right? Like if I'm a nursing home operator, I need to be more aware, like even as an EMS, like as a paramedic, I'm thinking, hmm, you know, I, I haven't been as careful with using PPE and precautions in the past as I should be. And I'm certainly, this is heightening my awareness around, um, I need to, to be more diligent in protecting myself. You know, do we all need to crowd around the patient's airway uh, when it's a cardiac arrest? Like, you know, and, and, you know, even now we're like, we're sending one person to the door to do an initial contact and do kind of a distancing just to do kind of pre-screening, right? Well, these are kind of precautions we could be taking on a regular basis. It's like mm -hmm. there are viruses and things out there that could kill us. Do we all need to be right there in the line of fire at the same time? Or can we do, you know, so I think the, the, the optimistic case here is that we all uh, are aware of, you know, the other thing is that, that we are becoming more and more aware of how viruses spread. Like we're seeing all these videos of people licking, licking produce at the store uh, like just obvious, obvious vectors for, vi for viruses going out there. We're seeing gross habits from people. So now we're becoming hyper aware of how germs spread. And this is going to be good I, going forward on a regular basis. People are going to be more cautious about licking their hand and then touching a piece of produce and putting it back or seeing yeah. people doing that and calling them out on it, right? And just saying, hey, don't be gross kind of thing, right? Right. And I think those people always existed. They're just posting about it so we know about it. But the doofus right. who licks a bunch of stuff and posts on Twitter about it, he used to do that and just tell his friends or do it while his friends were watching, right? Like those 
idiots were always there. We just know about it a lot longer. What, I'll ask one last question for you because I know we've been running long, but I predict that you know most of the people when this finishes and we see it's much less severe than anyone f- was freaking out that it would be, that it won't matter, right? Because the analogy I think of is all of these climate catastrophes, the population bomb, or you know the the many things that now it's global warming or climate change, but they have a they have you know they catastrophize something, it doesn't happen, and then they just move on to the next thing. So will the next virus, will the next pandemic, not just be oh well that was COVID, but this one is actually that bad? What do you think about the fact that I think it won't change their mentality? When they're no, I think I, I think you're right. I think you know, I tried to make a case for optimism here. I tried to find some good in it. I know that I'm going to be taking some good away from this. You know, like th- there are things. Th- the thing that I'm taking away from this is, I don't expect people to become more rational. I expect them to keep. I expect government to keep growing. I expect, if anything, it'll accelerate the growth of government. I think that's a case for pe- pessimism about the outside world. But the case for optimism is that. I'm recognizing this. I can take steps to protect me and my family. You know, I was just, I, I don't have a firearm. I don't have my, um, my uh, firearms license, uh, my personal acquisition license. So, you know, my son and I, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a couple people together. We're going to go out. We're going to finally get this thing, get a gun. You know, it'll probably just sit in a safe. I'm not, uh, I just don't have time to go shooting for the most part, but I'm going to start taking some precautions and, and start building up things. I'm going to think about investments. I'm going to think about buying some more silver. You know, I need to be prepared. This is a wake up call for me. It's like, okay, this world is super fragile. If something with uh, as small as Corona can cause this widespread of government shutdown and mm-hmm. imposition and loss of freedoms, it, it it's just a matter of, like when something actually serious happens uh, it's going to be 10 times worse. So I need to be prepared for that. And I need to have a plan and I need to be ready to bug out and <laughs> protect myself and my family from the zombie hordes that are going to be eat, trying to eat my brains um, and uh, tear me down with, to the rest of their level and, you know, impose uh, some kind of draconian uh, system. And on that positive note, and on that happy note, hey. thanks, Tim. Thank you, David. I hope you don't get coronavirus by the next time we chat. Well, I've probably already had it, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if I did. But Yeah, that's fair. I, I just want to get it and get it over with, you know? That's my thinking, too, actually. Yeah. Like, I I should just get it, and then I'll have immunity to it. I can't get it twice, as far as I know. Yeah, I, you know, I'd rather get it now than when I'm 75, right? Right, exactly. All right, thanks, Tim. All right.